Hey, podcast listener. Do you love talking about movies, music, TV, comics, and games? Then you should be listening to The Great Pop Culture Debate, back in bigger than ever for season nine. This season, the panelists discuss the best James Bond film, the best Elton John single, the best Nickelodeon original series, the best Batman villain, and so much more. Find the show wherever you listen to podcasts or head to greatpopculturedebate.com. More than 100 topics are already available. Subscribe today. Hello, I'm George Cup, And I'm Callum Gurr. And you're about to listen to the podcast version of To Be Discussed with Cup and Gurr. Please note that this is a podcast, so it's not a live broadcast. So please do not try to vote in any of the polls or send in messages to any of our discussions, as your message will not be registered, but you may still be charged. Also, please note that not all of the opinions expressed in this podcast are our actual opinions but may be expressed to create a better discussion. Anyway, enjoy the podcast and don't miss our live broadcast every Sunday on Wizard Radio Station. Evening, everybody, and welcome to another episode of To Be Discussed with Cup and Gurr. My name is Callum Gurr, and I'll be joined by my co-host and political opposite, George Cup. Hello, everyone. This evening, Callum and I will prove to you that you can have impassioned debates whilst holding vastly different opinions without falling out at the end of the night. So, this evening, we will be discussing should. Should an embargo be placed on goods produced in China using forced labour? Who is the best Chancellor of the last 15 years? And lastly, do you believe in mediums to communicate with the dead? With each of these discussions being accompanied by polls which you have the chance to vote on at wizardradio.co.uk forward slash listen. And these discussions will be open until the end of the song break between each topic. But first, last week we asked for you guys to send in your opinions on the question, have you ever had a supernatural experience? And we've had lots of uh, very spooky uh, suggestions as I uh, requested uh, last <laughs> week. Uh, first in from Emily. Emily says, I've definitely had supernatural experiences. And if it wasn't obvious, I believe in the supernatural 100%. All of my experiences have happened at my grandma's house, which is almost 200 years old. And it's been in my family since it was built all those years ago. In 2008, so I was literally six years old at the time, I was watching some program on TV and remember the room got really cold and the TV started making weird noises. So I went up to it to see what was going on and I felt this energy literally pushing me backwards, back onto the sofa. That freaked me out, but I tried to convince myself it was nothing and sat back down. Then the TV channel changed like three times without me doing anything and I ran out of the room. I came back after 10 minutes and whatever it was was gone. But I still get weird vibes when I go into that room. I mean, George, that is, it sounds like something like a black mirror or something, doesn't it? 
Yeah, that is that is absolutely crazy. I I absolutely love hearing all these uh, stories and stuff, and it's it's it makes it to me. I've I mean I've always been very I always believe what's what, that there's something else out there and and that there is that kind of spiritual world. Um, and I think Emily, you just have absolutely pure proof of this. Um, I mean, I suppose it would be only right that we try and debunk some of these stories. And the only thing that I would say is maybe with the TV channels is that when you got, when you sat back on the sofa, maybe you were accidentally sitting on the remote. Um, <laughs> who knows? But uh, I I, th- I think that, that that there is that kind of third energy out there that that no one can kind of describe or be able to explain where it comes from because i i mean i felt it myself and and i think that when you have that realization that there is something else out there it opens up your your mind and your eyes to to being able to uh be in touched and, and see these different things that could possibly go on um i mean callum when when you're reading um, Emily's opinion there. Are, are you thinking to yourself, oh, come on, that's just you just probably feeling a little bit ill or something like that, and it's probably a little bit made up, a little bit fictional? Um, well, as you know, George, I am a bit cynical and a bit sceptical of uh, supernatural experiences, and, and so I, I was questioning some of it, I, I'm not going to lie. Uh, I did wonder whether or not maybe the TV channel change maybe because i don't know was there a cat there or something kept putting his <laughs> paw on on it uh and i obviously i mean i can't really understand this energy pushing backward um back onto the sofa i mean i think that's very very interesting um and i and the thing that i'd like to see with these kind of experiences is i'd like to see a bit more evidence as in that's not just from you know i felt this thing i mean if there was an energy pushing emily towards the sofa or or not necessarily emily's specific story but i would have liked to have seen that being picked up on cctv at some point i feel like if that kind of energy and that ability existed then we would we would surely see this on on in photographs or or in moving image or or something like that. So so yes, George, in kind of answer to your question, it brings out all of my kind of cynical brain and and thinking. I'm not I'm not 100 percent sure, but I mean obviously it's each to their own, and I'm not um kind of downplaying the value of Emily's experience. It's just I'll take a bit more convincing probably. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't think she's going to have CCTV in her no, um, no, yeah, lounge, true. but there you go. Our <laughs> next opinion is from Joshua, and he says, I believe that if you've had a connection with something, good or bad, then it can haunt you. Luckily for me, all of my hauntings have been positive. For example, one time my grandma came and visited me when it was really late, which was actually a really comforting experience for me because I miss her a lot. I always see relatives or at least things that signify them around me i'll see random things whilst i'm walking down the street that just let me know that they're there watching over me and other times i literally see them or can have conversations with them which is even cooler not all supernatural experience need to be negative well kind of that is astounding that josh can have these conversations yeah, I mean, it, it very much sounds like it's coming on to what is our final discussion tonight, talking about mediums and, and things like that. Uh, I mean, obviously, that's really interesting. And, and I think um, 
you know, it, it's great for, for Joshua that, he, that he's um, experienced that and that um, kind of interacting with his grandma has provided him with that, that kind of comfort. Um, I think, I mean, obviously, as I've said in, in the kind of previous discussion, I, I'm very, very sceptical about these things. But I do, I, I don't want to try and uh, kind of point too many holes out in different people's stories because I, I think at the end of the day um beliefs aren't something that we all have to believe the exact same thing um and i mean possibly yeah. the very fact of believing has an impact upon whether or not you um experience a supernatural experience and i don't mean that as in oh it didn't happen it's just because you want it to happen what i mean is i mean who knows that maybe you you have to have your mind open to these things to be able to see them possibly and maybe that's why i've never um well never really experienced these things as such i mean george what did you make of josh's opinion there or joshua's rather i think it's um incredible actually that that um, joshua has these the ability to have those kind of conversations with those that have passed on um and and gone into the spiritual world it's an incredible thing and as callum said it really does touch upon the whole medium idea and and being able to talk to to the the dead uh, effectively um i as much as i do very strongly believe in in ghosts and spirits and being able to connect to them I, i also believe that our brains and and minds are very good at trying to establish uh, situations and scenarios in our heads to bring us comfort and i believe that when you are in 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 a position where you're sad or upset that your mind is able to to put forward those scenarios to to bring you that comfort and and as such maybe sometimes they can be seen as supernatural experiences um and at the same time, I think there must be a third third world connection there, as in there must be a spiritual connection. But I think sometimes our mind does help that situation along. Mm-hmm. And and George, just really quick before we get on to the next um, opinion, or I say it's quick, but it's probably quite a big question. But <laughs> obviously, I know that you, you you're not religious. You don't believe in God, but you you do say that you believe in in a in ghosts and almost a kind of afterlife i suppose in that sense mm. i mean how do you kind of i mean obviously then they're, they're not the same thing but how do you kind of rectify those two almost it seems to me from my perspective that it's strange to not believe in god but then believing in ghosts is what i'm asking yeah i i personally think it's because um there is more evidence of ghosts than there are god um I'm, i personally have experienced um communication with ghosts and um i personally have experienced the the connection that there is and, and actually seeing what what spirits can do and everything um and for me that's why i do believe in them rather than believing in god who i've never had that connection with never seen and and never had any miracles that i believe are influenced by the big man above there so i i that's why i stand in the position that i do regarding spirits and everything gotcha gotcha that does actually um make a, a little bit of sense george uh Thanks. <laughs> makes a change uh next opinions from tilly tilly says uh, i don't know if this counts but i thought i had a supernatural experience once basically i was asleep but i could 
really visibly hear this voice mocking me. It would say everything I was thinking in my head, but out loud. I can't describe it, but I knew it wasn't just the voice in my head. It sounded like a real life voice in the world. I then felt this weight on my money, on my money pushing me down like it was trying to crush me and I was so scared. It turns out that it was sleep paralysis, which a lot of people actually confuse with being visited by demons and stuff like that. It's really scary nevertheless, but obviously wasn't a supernatural experience. Just my body playing tricks on me. I mean, George, for me, that uh, Tilly's example very much highlights what, from my cynical and and sceptical perspective, is quite often the explanation behind supernatural experiences, that there's maybe some kind of medical reason or, or scientific reason behind why things appear to be kind of supernatural. Uh, what do you make of it? Yeah, I, there is definitely the, the arguments to be had that um, these things that happen are through um, our mind and, and things that just random things that can happen, whether that's through electricity and, and things like that. And it, absolutely, there is the argument to have that. Um, and I would never deny that there is proof to, to, to show that um, these things happen because of ordinary situations um, or tricks on our minds. But I still stand by the fact that there are also those situations and experiences that happen that are unexplainable, that can't be debunked. Um, and I, and I think that's where we have to kind of admit some level of, um, acceptance around the idea that possibly there are spirits or there is something coming back from the dead and, and, and scenarios like that. So I, as much as I do agree with Tilly that there are those, um, misleading experiences that can be kind of mislaid as supernatural at the same time i think there are those definite experiences that are actually supernatural what 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 about you kind of what are your thoughts yeah i mean i think it's a really interesting one for tilly that i mean it's it sounds so it does sound like something that would happen in in black mirror i think or or some kind of um horror story movie or, or tv show um, but I think it's very interesting and and um, and the fact obviously that it was just her body playing tricks on her um, is is something which I think probably in some supernatural experiences cases that is maybe the explanation for them. Uh, right then, uh, remember we announced what the question would be for you to send in your opinions on at the end of tonight's show. So make sure you're ready for that. For the chance to be featured in this segment of next week's show, we've reached time for our first song break this evening, so we'll be back very soon. Hello and welcome back to To Be Discussed. So let's move on to our second discussion of this evening. And we're asking, should an embargo be placed on goods produced in China using forced labour? So a report back in February from the Australian Strategic Policy Institute outlined evidence of the Chinese government facilitating the mass transfer of largely Muslim populations from the far west region of Xinjiang to factories across the country. These people, mostly the Uyghurs, work in factories far from home, 
live in segregated dormitories and undergo organised ideological and religious training outside working hours, the report alleges. A conservative estimate in the report is that 80,000 Uyghurs were transferred between 2017 and 2019, but this figure could be higher. The plight of such people has recently come to the worldwide attention, with evidence surfacing in the press of birth prevention and mass female sterilisation happening in the region too. A recent petition on the UK Parliament's site has reached over 130,000 signatures and urges the UK government to impose sanctions on China over its treatment of its minority Muslim populations. One possible sanction being mooted is for the government to be to place an embargo on goods produced using these transferred populations. Counter-extremism think tank Killiam has alleged brands like Nike, Adidas and H&M receive such forced labour goods and thus any embargo would affect these brands. So Callum, do you think it is time to place an embargo on such goods? Absolutely yes, I think it is. I mean, I, I think if there's any case of, of forced labour happening, then it's almost ridiculous that products that are produced under those circumstances can be sold here anyway. Yeah. I mean, obviously we have, we have legislation that outlaws slavery and forced labor is another word for, for slavery effectively. Um, and therefore, of course, we should be looking to, to ban these goods. I, I mean, I would say obviously with, what you said in the introduction, George, I mean, obviously a lot of these, these big companies that have been talking about, obviously the, the use of forced labor, um, in China, they say that they've been reviewing, or a lot of them have said they've been reviewing their supply lines and they've been checking with their suppliers and, and they're saying, um, that, that they haven't seen evidence of it. I mean, a lot of the companies named, make a point of saying that they don't take um, um, goods or they don't have um, suppliers based in Xinjiang. So mm. therefore they, they try to avoid um, that issue in, in those ways. But I mean, even if it's not those um, companies, the big companies like Nike and Apple and Adidas that have been named in, in some of the reports, even if they're not the ones that um, that are involved in, in this kind of supply chain using forced labor. I think any, you know, any company, any goods that are produced in that way, we should absolutely uh, be banning from coming because it would undermine that market and it would undermine the use of forced labor and hopefully lead to, to positive action, which, which means that forced labor is outlawed. But I think the forced labor element of it is only one small part of what this is. And, and this is, an attempt to forcibly assimilate um, um, Muslim, mainly Muslim minority populations in China into being more um, Han Chinese and being more um, akin to what the rest of the population is like. Um, and we should call that out and say that that is categorically wrong. Um, and, and it's time that we take action to, to try and prevent that, or at least um, do do something beyond our words, because we've heard a lot of words about how, how this is wrong. But but now we've got to 
to start doing something more because because the, these are scenes really that we haven't seen um or certainly in europe since um maybe the 1990s with um with what happened in um what was former yugoslavia um but also then in the 1940s during during the second world war i mean these are really really horrible scenes that we're seeing um coming there i mean what do you make of it george do you, do you think there should be an embargo absolutely i think there should be an embargo and um i believe that governments that are in a position or as such as ours should be really really um pushing and looking into this because it's something that just should not be taking place full stop um it's not something that you expect to hear about in the 21st century um these are medieval victorian kind of ways of life and they should not still be around um i i think that it's it's not just purely about the um conditions that these people are being in but there is obviously a pure racial issue going on here as well as they are they are purely um attacking and polarizing muslim um populations in in china and it, and it has to has to stop um it's also worrying to to see that possibly there are these big brands that are still going ahead and and using um these conditions that to try and get a better profit um and surely in in my opinion surely it would be better to have better working conditions than just to get a a bigger profit off the of the products that you are um selling and, and i think this should be something that is tackled by the whole world um not just an individual country and, and i think that we should if anything there should be a very big campaign um, going on about this to ensure that it just can't carry on. Um, I mean, Callum, what, how far do you think? I mean, yes, we're saying an embargo should go on the goods, but do you think there should be possibly further sanctions on even the Chinese government allowing these um, factories to, to operate? Yeah, I think I certainly think there should be further um, sanctions against them. Uh, against china and the chinese government i mean obviously there's I, I believe it's called the magnitsky law now which which basically means that um well it was used primarily against russian officials but it, it meant that we could seize the the assets of um people with ties to to the to the russian government it was that that were doing um extremely bad things and maybe undermining democracy and things like that i mean i'd like to see these kind of things being applied more towards um towards china and chinese officials um and, and i think we have to be realistic about these things now and and say that in, in the for the past few years i mean i don't know how much you remember george but i, I remember what in under the uh, david cameron government um, that there was a big um, state visit of China and we very much within the UK context, I think we've tried to befriend China and we've tried to um, to, to have good relations with them. And, and we've kind of turned a blind eye for too long to, to some of the to things the Chinese government have been doing. I think that uh, realistically now we, we are in the stage where, where we're, we're in a new kind of Cold War with China, or at least we should be. Uh, I think actually 
um, the United States have got it better than what we what we have done. And our, our response to this, I don't think, has been far reaching enough. I mean, the the United States have been much more um, aggressive and much more forthright in calling out China for this for this kind of things. And, and even obviously the United States have plenty of problems themselves. But I would say that they've got it right here and, and we should be looking to support America. Um, in that regard, I mean, do do you agree with that, George? Do you, do you think we should be being much more hostile towards China rather than trying to almost at the moment we're still trying to get Chinese business in in many ways? Yeah, I I, I definitely think that we should be um, following America in in the way they've been going about this in situations like this. Um, I believe that we you have to be proactive rather than reactive, um, and it's the best way to go about them. I mean, obviously this this situation is going on, um, which means that you you kind of do have to be reactive um, to, 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 to try and put a stop to it. But even still, if, if we were able to put um, sanctions in place uh, upon the government to ensure that these these factories couldn't go ahead, then I believe that it would get a lot of support from the, from the whole of the world. Um, and I think it needs to be um, an international law. And I'm sure it is, actually, because obviously it goes against so many human rights. The the interesting thing is that the Chinese China's own labor laws it, it goes against it it goes against the the kind of Chinese constitution as well um so so it it's it's a laws almost not enough with this and and one final thing I would just like to say as well is obviously with us talking about taking a much more aggressive line towards China I think we should also say um, because there's obviously been a, a big rise in kind of anti-Chinese Chinese prejudice within the UK context the kind of uh, any kind of cold war is not against the Chinese people themselves it's that they're, they're the victims of what I think is is verging on a totalitarian government at points uh, and obviously we should always look at it from that perspective and our quarrels with the the Chinese government, the Chinese government's policies, not uh, the Chinese people themselves. And how do you think this poll is going to go? Um, I think that the most people will say, uh, yeah, there should be an embargo place. I'll say that uh, 80% of people will say yes. What about you? Uh, yeah, I know. I totally agree with you on that. Um, but there is only one way to find out, and that, that is for you guys to vote on this question. Should an embargo be placed on goods produced in China using forced labour? And you can do that at wizardradio.co.uk forward slash listen. And we'll be back after this. Hello and welcome back. So before that break, we asked the question, should an embargo be placed on goods produced in China using forced labour? And to find out the results of that poll, please go to our Twitter page. That's at WizRadio. Right then, time to move on to our third discussion of this evening. And we're asking who is the best chancellor of the last 15 years? So recently, the current Chancellor, Rishi Sunak, announced a historic budget which involved almost unprecedented new spending pledges from the government, including an eat-out-to-help-out food discount scheme. Uh, this has led to a gush of applause for Sunak from across the political spectrum, but critics have warned that such praise was given to previous chancellors whose large spending commitments were eventually seen as excessive with the benefit of hindsight. Uh, 
could the same fate befall Rishi Sunak's current plans? Whilst time will tell the answer to this question, it does pose a follow-up of what kind of Chancellor is best. Is a more free-spending Chancellor like Sunak or or Gordon Brown best, or those who are more prudent like George Osborne or, or Philip Hammond? George, out of the following, who do you think uh, was the best Chancellor of the last 15 years? Gordon Brown, Alastair Darling, George Osborne, Philip Hammond, Sajid Javid or Rishi Sunak? Uh, George, what do you think? Well, I, I firstly um, want to say I, in government, I, I believe that the, 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 the Chancellor is often kind of overlooked in how important of a role they play within government and, and within the cabinet and obviously in running the country. Um, I think that being a Chancellor is probably one of the most stressful jobs um and absolutely you have so much pressure on your shoulders to ensure that at the end of the day the country um that your government is in charge of runs effectively and keeps the books balanced um and i suppose in the very simple terms keeping the books balanced is essentially the main role of a chancellor to ensure that our economy is increasing to ensure we're not spending too much but to ensure there is investment um, within the health sector, the private sector and the public sector to ensure that our economy can carry on growing. And, and obviously all of these then um, affect our GDP. So uh, for me, looking at this list, and I obviously <laughs> I'm I'm going to pick a conservative, believe it or not. Um, but I think even though he hasn't been in the position for long, um I think that Rishi Sunak brings a level of optimism, a level of forward lookingness and a real kind of fresh approach into how we can run this country financially. Um, and, and I think that his ways are actually quite modern. Um, and rather kind of centralist in, in the way that he is proposed in spending, in the way that he is proposed to get us out of this crisis and to ensure that our economy survives. Um, yes, you could argue that there are those in the past like George Osborne and Philip Hammond that had to make incredibly hard decisions to ensure that we got out of the problems like Alistair, um, that Gordon Brown and Alistair Darling kind of put this country into. Um, but at the same time, I think they did it in measures that um, maybe were too harsh and sometimes harmed this country more than were proposed or was supposed to happen. So definitely for me, Rishi Sunak is, is a star here. Um, I think that Sajid Javid could have been a much better chancellor, but I don't ever think he had enough time to, to fully flourish within the position. But Callum, what are your thoughts on this? I've, I mean, I think it's very interesting to say Rishi Sunak. I mean, for, for me personally, I, I'd say it's well too soon to say that he's the best chancellor. I, I, I do agree with you that um, his approach has been quite refreshing. Um, and he certainly almost doesn't seem like a conservative in many ways with the way in which that he, he's running things and the way in which he's committed to more government spending and things like that. But I, I'd say let's uh, not get carried away here um i think you know we've got a very tough time for the economy coming up um and and therefore it's it's very premature to say that uh, rishi sunak's necessarily been a good chancellor um and i i think we'll see i mean i i 
I'm very sceptical with this eat out to help out scheme, whether that, that's going to really do anything. And I also am not sure completely that the the new spending commitments really get to the crux of the issue, which is A, an, a, a fear um, about the coronavirus and B, just the fact of how many jobs are now going to, to go with the furlough scheme um, ending in October. Um, so the, then kind of who who do I think is the best chancellor if it's not Rishi Sunak? I mean, Sajid Javid, as you say, I mean, he was barely in position, so uh, I certainly won't be saying him. Um, and I think for both Philip Hammond and Alistair Darling, they were only in position again for a, two or three years, both of them. Um, so I wouldn't necessarily say um, that either of them really had long enough in in position to 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 really truly have an influence upon things and to really properly judge their record i mean obviously alistair darling was the last chancellor who oversaw the the kind of beginning of the financial crash and and the kind of big downturn in the, in the uk's economic performance um but i would say that actually he warned in 2008 that it was coming um, but before the collapse of uh, Lehman Brothers. So therefore, OK, the, the kind of historical verdict on Alistair Darling has maybe not been overly favourable, but he, he obviously had some kind of brain in him. And we, we do forget that he only took over in 2007. I mean, Gordon Brown had been <laughs> Chancellor for 10 years before that. Um, so he didn't really have much chance of within a year turning around the British economy and preventing um, what was to come. Uh, I think on that basis as well, it kind of rules out Gordon Brown as much. I think he did do some good things and it. it's it's overlooked that he did do some good things, Gordon Brown. I mean, obviously, the, the Labour government did have higher unemployment rate after it left office than when it um, when it en entered office. But we do forget about the fact that for most of the years in between that, it was lower. It was just then we were hit, obviously, with a financial crash and things like that. Uh, so uh, begrudgingly, begrudgingly, I'll say George Osborne, <laughs> um, because he, he did want to slash government spending. He did want to bring us more in line to t tackle the deficit. And he put in place the motions for that to happen. Uh, and... Although when he left, borrowing was still sky high, and although when he left, he hadn't hit any of the targets he set, and he sent he set numerous of them to balance the books, he still had set in motion. Maybe it maybe it wasn't the right method. I don't want to really get into the nitty gritty of that, but he had set in motion um, that plan, and that was in line with what he wanted to do. And I think probably out of all of these chancellors here, George Osborne's the only one that had a real, real clear goal that he wanted to reach. And that kind of determined everything that he'd done as chancellor. And I think for right or wrong, that that is a good thing that he was like that. I Do you... Um, George, George, George Osborne was chancellor under David Cameron. And was he also chancellor when uh, Nick Clegg was deputy prime minister as well? Yes, yeah, he was. Yeah. yeah. So, do you think partially that is the um, maybe sway that is also pushing you in towards George Osborne is the fact that some of his policies and decisions being made were influenced under a partially Lib Dem held government? 
Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I guess so in, in a in a small way. I mean, there was the uh, income tax break, which was obviously Lib Dem policy that then the Conservatives adopted. So I suppose that that was a big it was a big thing that the Conservatives made uh, a pledge about that um, during the 2015 general election after it had been implemented based on Lib Dem policy to extend that. And they kind of took a lot of credit for that, I suppose. Um, and and so that was one of the good things George Osborne done. But um, I mean, a, a lot of what George Osborne done wasn't wasn't particularly um, great, or at least um, I mean, I'd say the uh, Lib Dems did rein him in a bit. But um, obviously, um, it was probably one of the reasons why George Osborne didn't hit his target to balance the budget was arguably because of the Lib Dems and Lib Dems not wanting to see that kind of more extreme austerity, which arguably George Osborne wanted um, mm. to mm. see. Um, who do you think is going to come on top here, George? Um, do you know what? I'm going to stick it out and I'm going to say because he's the most recent and because he's kind of, I would argue, gone through one of the most difficult times, I'm going to say Rishi Sunak. How about you? I think you could well be right, to be honest, because as you say, I mean, he's the most recent guy and um, he is reasonably popular. And I, I just don't see that any of the rest of these are particularly popular names. So I think, no. I think you're going to be right. Rishi Sunak probably will come out on top. Uh, but it's now time for you guys to vote away on this question. Who is the best chancellor of the last 15 years? And those options are Gordon Brown, Alistair Darling, George Osborne, Philip Hammond, Sajid Javid, or Rishi Sunak. Uh, you can do that at wizardradio.co.uk forward slash listen, and we'll be back very soon. Hello and welcome back. Before the break, we ask who is the best Chancellor of the last 15 years? And to find out the results to that poll, head over to our Twitter page. That's at Wiz Radio. Right. OK, let's move on to our fourth discussion of this evening. And we're asking, do you believe in mediums to communicate with the dead? So just before lockdown, my sister decided to go off and see a medium. And supposedly, supposedly, she was able to talk to my grandpa, who passed away about 10 to 12 years ago, uh, and they were supposedly able to have a conversation through this medium to uh, my grandpa and was able to tell certain things to, to prove that it was my grandpa. Mediums in recent times have been incredibly popular with holding events where where people have been able to go along and they're always rather busy and sold out where they in a room are able to try and call out the the ghosts and spirits that are present with them to try and speak to those that have lost loved ones but callum do you believe in mediums do you believe that you can go to a medium and, and speak to some of your unfortunately dead relatives wow um sorry no. that was quite a dark question <laughs> it was <laughs> and no I, I don't believe in mediums um it's it's something i've wanted to go to 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 experience because because my my mum and uh, my brother's girlfriend and a, a lot of people in my family have, have very much believe in I, th I think they would quite be classed as kind of mediums where as you say george you can kind of communicate with the dead um 
and, and so I'd been meaning to go along to one of the evenings where they do it to, to see for myself um, but I often think that when they do this information and they can kind of verify it my skeptical brain thinks that they're probably maybe just hedging their bets or or maybe because you a lot of the people that go to these kind of events really want to communicate with the dead and things like that and they want to communicate with their relatives i just wonder whether or not they they kind of give their cards away as such and, and they they kind of give so much away that it makes it an easy job for for these supposed mediums to 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 appear to communicate as such um but that that's just a, a very very set um skeptical and, and kind of cynical perspective of it i mean george you're probably a bit more open-minded to these kind of things so so would you say you believe in them no i believe they're an absolute load of rubbish um which, hey, which, less which... open-minded than me <laughs> <laughs> i i but i would absolutely love to go to one um i think it would be really really interesting to see um i'm just incredibly skeptical about them because i i, I mean i've watched a couple of documentaries on them um and i, I believe Dar- darren brown did one um, trying to kind of show how they are fake. Um, and the way mediums work is they they obviously are in front of an audience and they, they ask incredibly open questions, which can be interpreted in very different ways. Um, and when they get someone that is supposedly, you know, as, as you've said, Callum, is, is wanting to reach out to a, a dead relative, um, then that obviously starts that conversation. And they 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 ha- they know what questions to ask. And a lot of the time you will find that the said person that's getting the reading um, will kind of fill in the, the key information and then the medium will be able to work their material around that. And a lot of the even if they get it wrong, like if they say, oh, did you have an auntie called Sheila and they go oh no she was called Sally or something and then he would say oh yeah well her nickname that you don't know was actually Sheila um and it was it's very interesting the way they work their material I think it's more of like a a magic act rather than actual truthful telling um you know I think it's kind of slip of the hand and things like that and and being able to play mind tricks I, I think that is more believable don't you yeah, I mean, I think they've got some kind of similarities with magic acts, if you think about it in that way. But, I mean, do you think that necessarily, if they are indeed fake, do you think that's necessarily a bad thing? Because for for me personally, I wouldn't I wouldn't go to one, as I've said. Um, but for some people, having this, even if it's a fake um, experience of communicating with the dead, it becomes a source of comfort for people. And do you not think that in the same way as for, for me and you believing in God and believing in an afterlife is a, a source of comfort for people, but it's a relatively harmless source of comfort. Do you think as long as they're not taking money off of people that, that mediums appearing to communicate with the dead, is that actually a bad thing? Well, I, I don't think it's a bad thing as such, but the, the key thing in what you've said is not taking money off of people. And obviously, a lot of the times to go and see these mediums, you do have to pay yeah. money. Um, but you're you're so right in saying that there is a level of comfort that is brought um, about by these mediums. And, and I think you'll find that I would say 99% of these mediums will only ever say positive things about 
what is being said or supposedly what the the, the dead relative is saying um and th- i that is because obviously it is more believable um and i think as well it does bring that level of comfort i I think by keeping it that that positivity and and having that reassurance to the 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 relative that wants to to contact the the dead relatives then um it makes the the, the act seem more believable and more trustworthy i suppose so I, I i think as long as people aren't being totally ripped off for this service there isn't really and truly a wrong going on but at the same time i think that people have to be very careful in what is being told and not to often believe too much in what is being said um i think that mediums quite often go on the lines of um you know also having your card read and things like that cards read and and i think that telling your future is often that it does overstep the mark sometimes i mean do you think there is sometimes more um reason to believe in in mediums that read your cards and can tell your future no i mean i'd say there's (laughs) less reason to believe those kind of things i i can kind of see the logic behind it a medium that's just trying to communicate with with the dead and things like that but as soon as they get tarot cards involved or something like that i proper switch off because i just think i mean it's just like playing a game of poker isn't it i mean it's just what cards you're gonna get on yeah. on the day i mean there surely can be no real spiritual underpinning of how the cards fall no exactly and how do you think this poll is going to go um i think there's going to be i just judging by those responses we got to the to topic one this evening i think a lot of people are going to believe in this in this kind of thing um so i'm going to say t- 55% of people will say yes they do believe in mediums what about you um i am going to kind of go on my approach that i believe in spirits but i don't believe in mediums so i'm going to say 48% believe in uh them but as always there is only one way to find out and that's for you guys to vote on this question do you believe in mediums to communicate with the dead and you can do that at wizardradio.co.uk forward slash listen and we'll be back after this break Welcome back. So before that break, we asked the question, do you believe in mediums to communicate with the dead? And to find out the results of that poll, please go to our Twitter page. That's at Wiz Radio. So unfortunately, it has got to that time of the evening where Callum and I do have bye bye and um we do really hope you have enjoyed this episode and thanks so much for listening to to be discussed with cup and Gur. so as mentioned earlier for the first segment of next week's show we'd like you to send in your opinion on the question what moment has defined you as a person today you can send in those opinions by email to station at wizardradio.co.uk or through twitter that's at wizradio remember that question is what moment has defined you as a person to date and we're really looking forward to hearing those next week but it's now time for george and i to say ciao for now so i've been Callum and i've been george cup thanks very much for listening everybody we'll be back next week at the same time and the same place for another episode of to be discussed (laughs) 